Let's talk for a second and then play it back to me so I can hear it. Because I don't believe you. But you don't trust me? No. Ten, sep- ten episodes in and you don't trust me to do this, right? Yeah, but it's not. I've never had this before. It's really bothering me, honestly. You'll get used to it. No. It's fine. Play it back. What is going on, everybody? This is episode 10 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. I am Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I am Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia. And we are here today with our boy, Riley. This is, where you, you, this is where you come in, right? Yeah. Okay. What's going He's on, good. guys? All right. Yeah. Introduce yourself, man. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh... I guess I'll give you my last name as well. My last name is Jimson, so that makes me Riley Jimson. Yes, sir. And uh, apart from being awkward in conversation, I uh, keep mostly carpet pythons with uh, a decent amount of odds and ends uh, outside of that at home. Okay. What's what's your what's your business, Riley? What's your what's your business name? Uh, I go under the name Riley's Reptiles, and it started out as a, just a little simple, fun way for me to sort of document um, a growing reptile collection when I was getting back into it, uh, like kind of t- at the tail end of college, I'd had reptiles as a kid, um, and then was deep into like skateboarding and partying and stuff like that for like 20 years, and then revisited reptiles again and went down that rabbit hole um nice so yeah i just kind of go under what it is it's it's me and it's my reptiles so these reptiles just kind of made sense yeah and it works out that your name starts with an r so you can just stick the alliteration reptiles in front of it and it works out so that's cool yeah you know at first i i liked it and then i thought it was cheesy and i was even gonna um i was even gonna change it and i was like ah this is childish and then uh one of my friend or a couple of my friends are like, nah, you should see it. Just rolls and off the tongue. Like, yeah, dude. Right yeah. reptiles. It's easy to remember. Yeah, huh. yeah it's growing on me for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Doesn't have exotics on the end like <laughs> like everybody else. Everybody else. That's why I chose JLB Moralia because you know I didn't want to be like everybody else. I didn't want to put reptiles or exotics or anything else in front of it. <laughs> yeah, you know. I don't like literally when I came up with Palmetto Coast Exotics. I don't remember what I was doing. It just like I was thinking of names, and I'm like, man, like, because in high school I was gonna do carpets, right? And I was like, hardcore about carpets. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna start breeding carpets. And I'm gonna call it Infinity Moralia. And so I still have an Infinity Moralia at Hotmail.com address <laughs> from like sophomore <laughs> so year that's, of high school. That's where that came that's from. That's where that came okay. from. Okay, all right, all right. <clears throat> and I used to sit in my little computer design class and come up with like little graphics and stuff and i'm like i'm gonna put this on the website and stuff like that and while you were studying your note cards with yeah scientific names on them oh yeah. dude you were ahead of the curve dude i, I yeah, used dude. to do i used to like i used to get picked on relentlessly because i <laughs> literally had a gallon ziploc bag just full of uh flash cards that were all bound up with rubber bands individually uh in like stacks of like a 50 or 100 and i just sit there in class and not pay attention and just quiz myself on scientific names like non-stop what a, what a nerd yeah i got picked on a lot. 
should come as no surprise. It had nothing to do with you know the fact that you look like a Sasquatch, but that too. You know. I did trim my beard though, so it's not as. I you looked, did trim you know, your beard. I, I look looked at you. a little more professional. Look at I don't you. Look like a steno bum. Now you look like a, <laughs> now you look like a a, a growing Sasquatch yeah. rather than an adult. Anyways, so, anyways, so what are you what are you keeping right now? Like we know you have a bunch of carpets. Well, I guess I don't know exactly how many. It's a pretty good amount, but you got a little bit of yeah, everything. I don't know how many I have either. I think um, <laughs> I think it's be, it's between twenty and thirty. Uh, it might be more than thirty with that small clutch I got this year, but um, I think I think I'm in the like twenties as far as uh, grow outs and adults go. Right. Um, and then. I guess if I were to sort of just go down the line in terms of like what I have in, in numbers, um, I have a trio of Brazilian rainbow boas, not including the litter I had this year. I have a reverse trio of Madagascar giant hognose, a pair of blacktail crebos, nice. a pair of children's pythons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? What else? I know there's more. You have to dig deep. Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Uh, Amazon. Amazon's boas. Yeah, I've got a third one coming. Um, I have a couple ball pythons kicking around. Uh, two Wait. wild types. Did you just and say? Then, did you say ball pythons, Riley? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Excuse me. Royal pythons. Oh. oh okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. I have. Uh, I have. 1.1 wild types, as I like to call them. It's <laughs> getting fancy. Oh, man. <laughs> We're not cool yeah. enough for Riley. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have uh, one that's like uh, a banana spider morph who's got like one zombie eye. It doesn't have the spectacle. I think I've seen it, that so. one. Zombie eye. Yeah, yeah, I post them every once in a while. Um, it didn't feel right even giving him away to somebody just because mm-hmm. with that exposed eye, I'm just concerned one day it's going to contract some sort of bacteria or infection. Yeah. He'll drop dead. So, or someone's so just going to say, screw it. Pig. I'm going to breed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Like, you know, I, I've had people ask me for him like, Oh, I'll even give you like, you know, whatever nominal um, donation, like an adoption thing. And I'm like, you know, I appreciate that. But, and some kid was like, no, I'll adopt it for cheap. I was going to That's why I'm not paying. Hmm. Dang. Huh? Well, the, uh, the latest, as far as stuff you've been doing, you had a bunch of baby rainbows born recently. Oh, I have, I have um, crested a random group of them for fun. Oh, yeah, that's I'm right. not even trying to breed them. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, uh the... The one female and one of the males that I have, because uh, I have 4.1, because, you know, I'm trying to breathe. Yeah, you were telling me about that. <laughs> it's not, uh, that ratio doesn't work very well. <laughs> Did you no. say four, four males to one female? Yeah. Yeah, Aggressives? man. Oh. Just stick them all yeah. in the tank and see what happens, man. You know, <laughs> survival of the fittest, is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, just, just I got kidding. four Who males. Gets there first? Can I put them in the same, can I put them in a 10-gallon tank? Any, Any tips? tips? Any tips? Any tips? <laughs> um yeah i uh, a pair a pair of them uh my girlfriend actually rescued um while we were in santa barbara one of the gals who was working in the kitchen also worked part-time at petco and her manager noticed a 10 gallon terrarium on the side of like a main road down there 
and uh, she wanted to go check it out just to make sure there wasn't anything in it. And good thing she did because there are a pair of very dry and malnourished uh, crested geckos in there Jeez. with a bunch of oh, wow. dead and live crickets all over on dry paper towel, poop all like months worth of poop all over the place. Jeez. Um, and just like some fake plants, crickets, and crap there in the water bowls or anything. So it's pretty gross. Um, Jeez, people are messed up. That's dude. disgusting, man. You just, they just left them on the side of the road. Yeah, after they tried going around to all the shops to sell them to the shops, uh, they were the, the story was they were their sons and they're going around selling to all the shops, trying to get their money back for them. And all the shops were like, "No, we don't buy back other people's animals. If you'd like to, you know, surrender them, we can make something happen." But they wanted money for them, so and then uh, when so nobody instead, wanted to give them money, they just the left them the on the side of the road. Yeah, that's how you <laughs> yeah, get yeah. your money back. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a great idea. I mean, people do it with readier sliders, so yeah, what's a gecko, right? Yeah, I hate people, man. I gotta say, yeah. So, needless to say, they're both living in obnoxiously large, lush planted enclosures by themselves, being fat and happy. Yeah, pimp mansions uh, now. That's the way to do it. Yeah, the female, like I see her maybe once a month (laughs) because she's able to hide so well from me um i see her at night and if she sees me she runs and hides although the other night she actually took food off my fingers there you go cool that's pretty cool um the other male is probably like the goofiest gecko in the planet he loves (laughs) attention he like flies out the door on you it'll splatter on the glass to come see what's up like (laughs) he's active 24 7 he's so active i can't keep weight on him he's skinny because He'll eat a dish, but he'll burn through his calories really yeah. quickly because he's Jeez. just so active. So. I've got a male like that, except he's—he's. He's, I never see him, but then when I open the tub, he's just—he's just complete spaz. Hees gone. I—I—I like, <laughs> I, I keep my my interactions with him pretty minimal because he just—he'll do circles around me all day long. He's pretty quick. Yeah, I've got a young one like that that I have to kind of ease into it because the thing just thinks everything's food and then starts spring loading everywhere. Yeah. So. I gotcha. I gotcha. And then uh. And then I got a, a Savannah monitor, and my girlfriend and I have a Russian tortoise as well. Nice, adopted child. You got a, you got quite the, uh, quite the variety there, man. Yeah, I, I have stuff. a really hard time focusing in pretty much all aspects of life, including <laughs> Yeah, man, I got you, I got you. So, but that's okay. So yeah, your your most recent recent project has been the uh, Brazilian rainbows, correct? Yeah, yeah, I um, I picked up, see, it started a few years ago. I had been wanting them for a while, mm-hmm. and when I started at the zoo, like, seven years ago, finally made a commitment that I was going to get one. I picked one up at Pomona, and that ended up being my first, uh, like, reptile show that I attended, oh, and wow. uh, I, I haven't missed a Pomona since, and uh, I, I started there. Uh, I've since sold that animal because it was a pretty average, um, really dark animal as an adult that to me was not uh, not going to be good breeding stock. Yeah, uh, wasn't up to par. No, but it was a good animal to learn with, and I really developed a, an right. understanding of the species through that animal, and she went to a great home. Um, but since then, I, uh, I picked up a male from a friend of mine who purchased a Dave Calling animal from his Picasso line stuff. And uh, he's a 2012 animal. He's kind of like this blood red, orange, more on the red spectrum. But sometimes it's it's hard to say what color he is, just because he's kind of in the middle there. Yeah. Um, and then, 
and then I have, you know, a proverbial Craigslist find that went really, really well, and that's my big female. Nice. And she's got quite a story because I've now uh, gotten a litter from her twice. She's, you know, big orange female, and uh, this is my second year producing from her. The first year was 2016, so uh, sort of getting it dialed in now. But she was basically picked up from a breeder in SoCal, and then between the guy I purchased her from and his buddy, the original owner, after the breeder, they wanted to see a big boa. And so by the time she was of size to take larger meals, they started checking her live jumbo rats. Yeah, uh, power feeding the hell Jeez, man. Yeah. Did you so say jumbo she handled rats? them. Dude, she doesn't have a scar on her. So Whoa. she obviously is very capable. But um, yeah, that's obscene. And so when I picked her up, I wasn't even serious about getting her, and then I saw her, and I was like, I need to go to the ATM. I'll be right back. Uh, <laughs> everyone talks smack about Craigslist, man, but every now and again, you get some Dude. some legit stuff on there. I check it pretty regularly just in case, usually two or three times a it's, week, because you never know. Yeah. It's probably healthy to hop on there a couple times a month. You know, you never know. Um, so, yeah, I picked her up, and uh, after I let her settle in, a buddy came and visited me, and he, he really conveyed to me how freakishly large she was, because I knew, but, like, I didn't really know. Yeah. Right. And we sort of did some comparisons of some photos and looking at other people's animals and photos and videos and kind of realized she was she was a little large. So we, we weighed her as best we could in a, a big basket on my scale. And uh, she was just shy of 12 pounds. Wow. What? <laughs> Jeez. How, yeah. how long is she? Um, well, so at first I thought maybe she was just at six feet. And then we pulled her out and I sort of held her supported straight up. Mm-hmm. And with her chin touching the floor like flat, um, her tail folded over the top of my head. Um, and I'm six feet tall. Wow. So she's... And at that point, I was like, we need to lay her down. So we laid her down and, like, had those foot tile on yeah, the floor yeah. and kind of looked at that. And she's just shy of seven feet long. Jeez. Whoa. And how many babies did she yeah. just give you? That's a big rainbow, dude. She gave me 22 this uh, this year. But two years ago, she gave me 34 live and one still. Oh, more. my gosh. Wow. That's a lot. Of, that's, a lot yeah. of, that's a lot of little mouths to feed, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's almost like two litters, you know, if you look yeah. at average. Averages are between 12 and 20 from what I, you know, read. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually had to go out and emergency purchase a, a second uh, hatching rack because I, yeah. you know, I, I thought 24 was plenty, um, but no. Jeez. Uh, and, yeah, that was fun. Um, those things were amazing, and I can't remember where I read it, but I know I got the idea for browsing around, reading articles and other people's experiences on forums from like decades ago. Well, not decades, maybe a decade ago. You um, mean to tell me you did actual research on the internet machine? <laughs> <laughs> on the interwebs? On the interwebs. Um, yeah, because like I knew these babies were like hardy and robust, and they came out like ripping cruising around the enclosure biting me when i was picking them up like just huge like 30 plus gram healthy babies like no leftover yolk bulls like everything was closed up like just you woke up i I don't know they're they're like months old in vitality for a day old baby it was insane and so i had read some article that somebody got theirs to feed before they even first shed 
So I said, what the hell, I'll try it. And so I thought a few rat pinkies, and lo and behold, um, like a dozen of them took the rat pinkies right off the tongs, like 24 hours old. And I was like, holy crap. So um, by the end of three days, uh, the entire litter had eaten a frozen thawed rat pinkies before they first shed. Wow. It's probably a big sigh of relief. That's awesome. Yeah, and this year it was no different. Everybody ate before 48 hours old. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw you post some stuff about uh, your babies, like, having eaten, like, before their first shed. Like, all of them took frozen thawed, like, right off the bat. Yeah, actually, they all took their third meal yesterday. Wow. <laughs> They're not even three weeks old. How, ma- how many have shed? Have they all shed out yet? Yeah, yeah. They okay. shed. Uh, they all shed out about, like, uh, eight days, nine days of age. Okay, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. That's awesome, man. Yeah, my experience yeah, with rainbows fun. is pretty limited. Yeah, I I kept a... Well, I spent about six months living in Texas, and uh, the person I was with at the time kept um, kept a Brazilian. Man, I, I got to say, I actually really enjoyed really enjoyed working with them. These are, they're really cool species. I had mine for only a couple months, because that was... I had gotten out of the relationship at the time that I was mm-hmm. in, and... Ended up taking a break from the hobby for a year. That was the only one I just before I sold everything off and took a break. Yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. And uh, it was cool. I I don't know about how you keep your adults and stuff, but I kept mine kind of ridiculously humid, and I was having issues with it before I had done that. Um, but yeah, once I got uh, that worked it, out, it was doing great. But before that, I was it was I was struggling yeah, with humidity, it. Humidity, humidity is always the the main focus with these guys. Um, that and uh try not to overheat them um i i would say that and you'll read this too a lot of people will attest to this that as babies they're a little more uh delicate Mm -hmm. and less forgiving of high heat and low humidity for extended periods of time right um it's like it's not terrible if you know they experience a brief um, and I mean like half a day right. of oh, wow. near dry temperatures, but like they'll dry out pretty quickly. Um, and if they do, you know, they'll, they'll go sit in their water and they'll flood it all out and then it'll dry more. And if it's warm, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not good for them too. Right. So, um, but as adults, yeah, you can, you can definitely like keep them really humid and then let that enclosure dry out before you spike that humidity again and they'll be just fine. Do you just like Uh, hose them down, your adults? Yeah, I like to spray mine down a couple times a week. Um, The cages they're in right now have a little more ventilation than I I would appreciate, Um, but they are going to be moved into some uh, vision cages soon that are also not the known to be the best for humidity but they'll be better than what they're in yeah so i actually like to keep them on bedding particulate bedding um to help with that and some moss stuffed in hides Mm -hmm. and uh and i will spray them a couple times and i also run a humidifier in the room to kind of keep it ambient because Mm -hmm. the winter out here gets very dry like in Mm -hmm. 20 to 20 to 15 percent ambient humidity. oh yeah it's brutal when i when i moved everybody up here from santa barbara in february it was winter and so it was kind of at its driest point and i saw a lot of my animals kind of show me like some dry like you know when your your nose is just dry for a second it's yeah. like not as mute like you know just kind of i don't know and so even my carp pythons are like hey whoa it's dry i'm gonna, I'm gonna go <laughs> yeah. get some water here whoa where are we man 
Yeah, I got you. But uh, uh, how do you how do you set up your babies? What are what are what are they in as far as like substrate and you know uh, housing uh, and whatnot? So last year or two years ago when I had them, I did everybody on paper towels and just kept them damp, mm-hmm. um, which was a pain in the ass because they pee a lot when they're babies. Like even if they're not feeding, yeah. Like even if you don't I feed them the right away, they do that too. Yeah, they just put small. a little deposit of a yeah. urate here and there, and uh, when it's damp. Um, you're essentially creating like a, a little microclimate for bacteria yep. to grow if it's right. allowed to stay. So I found myself cleaning pretty much every baby almost every other day wow. during the week, which was brutal. And then when they started feeding, it was worse. Mm-hmm. So this year um, I've put uh, most of them on coconut fiber and then I ran out. So a few of them are on paper just to remind me how much I hate it. Hmm. Um but I got some more uh, some more bedding today, so I'll be switching those guys. Is it like a repti chip sort of deal? Like Actually, the cube, I, the cube sort the, of stuff. I did the um, the what do you call it? The repti soil and the, the compressed brick that you hydrate. Oh and yeah, ego earth or whatever they call it. Yeah, core. that yeah. one. Because um, the one I, I had was pretty small, and I like I said, I was having issues with it, and then I I had it on Cypress, and I gave it a humid hide. And yeah, cypress mulch works really well for these yeah. guys, actually. And I was keeping it like um, crazy human. I was like, there's no way this is right. Like everything that I had ever known about keeping snakes and even Amazons <laughs> and stuff was like, they should not be this wet. Right. Yeah. But I no, then realized like, like I it. never had any issues with it once I had it up that high. I was like, this yeah. is weird. I did find that when I was using, um, and I have one cage that still has a little bit of it in there, um, the the coconut husk chips, Mm -hmm. that that stuff actually zaps the humidity more than it retains it because that stuff will just eat water and just, I don't don't know where it goes. I I heard about that. I heard about that. People were using that and then keeping it, when they kept it damp, it literally almost dried it out because it just soaked up all the moisture and then Mm -hmm. it ended up drying out their animals. Yeah, I'm actually I, – so for a while, I was able to get huge, like, 50-pound bales of that stuff from a hydro spot down in Santa Barbara for, like, 30 bucks a bale mm-hmm. and just absolutely undercut every retailer possible. And I did it for a long time and was able to, you know, put my entire collection on coconut husk bedding for 60 bucks every six months, you know. Wow. And, uh, but I, I was getting dry sheds with it, and so I stopped after a year. And so now I'm going back to – get old pretty um, quick. Yeah. Yeah, especially with like <laughs> Karibos having yeah. dry sheds and ba- you know like rainbows having dry sheds. And, um, I never had carpets with dry sheds, but I'm, you know that would not be fun with a few of my animals. Um, I had so, my fr- I had my first dry shed the other day from one of my females, which surprised me. I haven't had a I haven't had a shed not in one piece in a, a long time. But I opened up one of my cages or one of my racks the other day, and my female had a bunch of stuck shed so i sprayed her down gave her another day came back and she had pretty much all of it off but you know that was that was a shock to me that was that's a new one yeah it, it doesn't happen often so when it does it's kind of like oh oh yeah that's right this yeah. is a living animal not just a bulletproof snake right <laughs> right but my my first thought is anytime anything kind of weird happens you know my first thought is what did i do wrong like well what's going on here what's wrong with this animal you it know this, this, this is this doesn't happen to me you know <laughs> like but, yeah. uh, but well, oftentimes you can you, you can look changed in its in its environment. Whether you change something, you started doing something differently. Right. You, you know, change the source of the heat, or you started opening the window. 
it's a seasonal change. I mean, there's a whole, right. whole bunch of things you can look to. So yeah, definitely. And you've the as far as the hog noses, um, that's a fairly recent thing that you've gotten into too, isn't it? Yeah, as far as my private. Oh, we're oh, breaking up some. We lost um, you. You there? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Can now. There Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I knew it was going to happen as soon as I walked back into my. He's my in his bunker. He's a prepper. <laughs> yeah, my my uh, my house yeah, those, would be a black hole. Desert dwellers in their bunker. Your house is a black hole. <laughs> um yeah so i i got the um the the mad hogs for my personal collection probably like november october november it's gotta be coming up up on a year doesn't it yeah because i remember when you picked them up i remember seeing you post about them yeah i picked up a a lone male first and then uh and then I was able to pick up another pair from the same importer. And, uh, but I had worked with a female at the zoo for six years and she was a sweetheart and she was actually, uh, entirely black with the exception of some white on her belly. So she's, uh, an exceptional animal and she was a sweetheart and we got to use it for education all the time. So I got to play with her every day. Um, and she was actually caught locally egg bound, got brought to the zoo, had surgery and was there, you know, She's super old, but sweet. But yeah, nice. so I've I, it's coming on about a year now. Nice man, that's cool. And you have two point one, correct? Yeah, okay. I, I specifically went for a reverse trio because everything that I've heard anecdotally from folks is that um, one, not a ton has been observed uh, as far as their breeding goes in captivity. They're rather secretive about it, but they're a communal species. They do really well together. Huh. Um, it sounds like uh, everything I read. It sounds like they're probably like the gopher snakes of Madagascar on the the coast where they're found. Uh, it's like the northeastern coast. Like if you were divided into four coastlines, yeah. um, more of like a northeastern, and it does cross over a little bit north and uh, northwest, but not much. And um, and so they're rather common. You can actually see videos of them just cruising around people's villages over there, and just hmm. people picking up, moving around, and they're they're not that crazy. Um, but yeah, apparently not much is known about their breeding, given how common they are over there. So yeah, I mean, um, I think all the ones I've seen for sale were all imports. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, minus yeah. maybe one or two people. Yeah, I think like exotic pets, Las Vegas, like uh, Ken Fuse's place mm-hmm. up there. Um, I think occasionally he'll get um, like gravid females in that'll drop eggs, or like he'll get a group in. And they'll be sitting there and maybe, you know, they'll probably breed in his care, uh, like shortly after. Um, but he might actually even have some captive bred ones. I saw some, uh, I know they're starting to float around a little bit over more East. Uh, Owen saw some even out at like Hamburg, I think not mm-hmm. long ago. And he picked up, uh, some captive bred babies. So yeah. That's they're, one of the things about the hobby that I find kind of funny is like, you'll see a species, you know, Boiga is kind of a prime example of this. Like mm-hmm. no one will, no one touched Boiga for a really long time. Like there mm-hmm. was only a handful of people that wanted anything to do with it. But then you get like the one or two guys that start producing some captive bread, and then it's almost like viral. Like you get two people that buy some captive bread, and then their buddies see them, and so they buy some. Right. And then it just like it trickles down. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what's going to be happening with these. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I remember yeah. efforts when I uh, <clears throat> when I was first really getting into snakes and really consider considering breeding. I was really into hognose snakes for a while, and uh, I remember when I first saw the Madagascar Madagascar uh, giant hogs, I was like, "That's freaking cool! I gotta have some of those." That would I wouldn't mind that being a project somewhere down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool. Have you seen the? Um, I don't remember what they're called. They're golden hognose snakes, I think. Yeah, so there's there's three species that are from Madagascar. Yeah, I was gonna say those the, are from Madagascar as well. Mm-hmm. The um, so the ones we were just talking about are the, the Malagasy giants. Those are Leoheterodon medes or um, uh, Madagascariensis. The mm-hmm. the gold or blondes, um, right. as they're commonly referred to, are uh, the Leoheterodon medestis. And then the speckleds are mm-hmm. Leoheterodon gayi. And I believe the speckleds are a bit smaller. And then the golds are kind of the intermediate, if not close to the giants. Right. Um, and then the giants can, you know, re- purportedly get five to six feet. I've never seen one over five. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Still, though, um, man, a hog nose that's five foot, that's crazy to me. Having worked with, you know, Westerns a, a little bit, yeah. you know, the, the American Westerns, species, yeah. they, they stay so small, you know. So when I heard about a hog nose that could get five foot, I'm like, geez. Well, I said the same thing about I tricolor. <laughs> I thought that when I saw the first tricolor, I was like, that's photoshopped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not yeah. real. I actually, um, I'm invested in, uh, in a trio of the um, the Modestus, the Blondes, um, I uh, I had a, a late night uh, beer inclusive conversation <laughs> with Owen McIntyre, and and all, albeit not very difficult, uh, twisted his arm to go in on a group, and so we he's got them at his place, uh, so he gets nice. to have all the fun, and I just you know. I, I just saw them. I didn't really need them, but I know he wanted mm-hmm. to sort of have the set. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't about to, like, dangle that fish in front of his face, knowing he wasn't in a position to, you know, drop on a group. Mm-hmm. Right. So I did it knowing full well that, like, I could probably twist his arm if I told him I would go in on it. <laughs> it, didn't take, it didn't take more than five minutes. So. <laughs> That's what you got to do, man. That's, 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 how, that's how the cookie crumbles, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm just helping people uh, make their dreams come true. I'm yeah, a dream maker. That's all. So does that mean you're going to buy me a, more scrub pythons? Do you want to make my dreams hey, come man, true? What else can we get out of <laughs> I mean, Terrell and Tony and a bunch of other people will tell you I'm really good at spending other people's money for them. So There you go. You, right. you steer me in. I'll, uh, I'll be the, the pointer, you know. I'll, just, right. I'll, I'll find your prize. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. But see, the thing we need to change, though, is make it where you spend the money just to be a nice person. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> I, I do understand that you guys are getting into Amazon Treboas. So if there's overlap in projects, then that makes it much more feasible to do so. We'll see. We'll see about that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. We are very excited about that. That was supposed to be a secret, man. It was supposed to be a secret. Yeah, no, you just, now the cat's out of the I bag. I don't care. I don't care either. I honestly, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't keeping it that, that, that very secret. So, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. You're the one that messaged Riley within two minutes of us making that decision. <laughs> yeah, Riley was like, well, I guess I got to get that pattern. Man, 
I was like, hey, Harlan. I was like, well, I was going to get another Amazon for you. You're welcome. Yep. Yeah, dude. They're so much fun. I'm, I'm really enjoying them. They're in quarantine, so I don't, I'm kind of hands off with them right mm-hmm. now. But right. Um, I keep spoiling the crap out of them. Like, I went and got more, like, little cork pieces to, like, deck some stuff yeah, out. Yeah, and yeah. got, like, garden meshing hoops and some plants and some folded over stuff. Little cups with bedding. And, dude, they got, like, little jungle gym setups in their quarantine. It's pretty That's dope. Awesome, man. They're fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I miss having them. This is the first first ones I've had in eight years. Yeah, I had some when I was in high school. Really, is what it would have been, and awesome. they're a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Honestly, um, I've never worked with uh, Amazon's. They've always been a species that's uh, captivated me for for a long time. Ever since I got into the hobby, I saw some and I thought they were really really cool, but never pulled the trigger and honestly i never thought about it until like the past couple of weeks right i saw some of your posts and you know i kept seeing more and more from harlan and i'm like man yeah dude, these are really freaking cool man yeah, like i kind of we had that conversation that some, day yeah we were like I, man we need to get some amazons and then harlan po- harlan posted that female dude, and then that he had female, that male and i was like dude these are the ones. I was like, send me money right fire. now. Like, yeah, we're doing this. Yeah. And I messaged Harlan. He was like, okay. Yeah, it took us about, I think you messaged me and uh, the picture of both of them. And then I think within like 10 minutes, yeah. we were messaging Harlan yeah. about, you know, going in on that pair. So, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but when the universe gives me a sign like that, I follow yep. up. Oh, yeah. yeah. We try to. And <laughs> we, we try to, unless we're broke, which we are a lot of times. Oh, but, sure, sure. You know, there's always that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's all, the money is always an issue, but, yeah. you know, we work through it. That's all we do is text each other all the time, like, man, I really want to get into these. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. Okay, well, we'll come back. It's kind of like, like a, years. Yeah. It's kind of like a natural leash. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Because if money were no object, the, the amount of stuff I have would be oh god, it would be mentally unhealthy. Yeah. It would I'd be on hoarders. Or it, w- it would be my full time job, one hundred percent. If money wasn't an option, yep. or wasn't nobody an issue. would ever hear from me again. No. I have no time to talk. to you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk cleaning snakes. <laughs> I'd probably lose fingers working with some of the animals that I would want oh, to yeah. keep and not be able to text you back. No, yeah, definitely. What would that be? A lot of crocodilians. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I was thinking hots for some reason. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I would for sure. Um, I just anticipate if, if things were to go wrong, I'd lose more than a finger or so. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can attest but, to that one. It hurts. Yeah, yeah. It hurts oh, a lot. <laughs> That's yeah, I, I've, I listened to um, all well, all of your episodes, but the, nice. the few where you went into detail about it, uh, I was at work because um, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts at work while I'm working, and, mm-hmm. and a few of my coworkers and asking me if I was all right because they'd see this look of just sheer horror on my face. And it's just like this expression as I'm listening, like, good God. Ah. <laughs> like if I just watched like a, like a gruesome like scene a in a Saul horror movie. film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. They're all looking up and you're like, dude, are you all right? What's wrong with the dirt you're working with? I'm like, oh, shoot. No, it's, it's up in here, man. It's just, never mind. Ignore me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah no, that was I, 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 would, I would keep Crocs if I, if I could. Yeah. I've always, yeah, I would if I could I would do you know, if if space wasn't an issue either. I've always wanted, you know, any of the, the dwarf caimans, any of the paleo yeah, stuff. I've always liked the caiman stuff, yeah. man. They're pretty cool. They're fun. They got a lot of attitude. Yeah. Yeah, you know all about that from being at the zoo. Did you how what kind of crocodilians did you work with at the at the zoo? Um, I worked with um the palpabrosis, the uh the dwarfs, mm-hmm. uh and then uh Sinensis and, and American alligators, so Chinese nice. and Americans. Um, and while I was there, 
uh, because a lot of zoos nowadays are really big on professional development courses. Yep. There are a lot of uh, conferences that you can go to, and some of them are actual training conferences, and not just like SSP fill-in mm-hmm. and you know presentations on conservation stuff. So I um, I got approval from the zoo uh, after applying to go to Crocodilian Biology and Captive Management School at St. Augustine Alligator Farm in Florida. That's a cool place. And, I've been there a few times. Oh, it's heaven. It's fucking <laughs> heaven. I never wanted to leave. Um, nice. And I and ended up actually applying for a scholarship for it after the zoo you know, already proved me to do it. Um, and so I ended up earning the scholarship that pretty much – you know, footed most of the bill. So the zoo is very grateful because it was uh, not a cheap thing to yeah, right. undertake sending somebody across country for, you know, two weeks out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made some amazing contacts with some wonderful people, some really good friends in zoos in the United States, in Canada, um, some people in, um, in the Philippines and doing work with uh, Siamese crocs and some people down in, um, Mexico doing stuff with Orinocos and a few other different species in some farm areas and just learn literally everything possible. Because um, they're one of the few places that has all 23 species, right? 24. 24. And it's about to be, well, they think it's going to be divided in the future into like 32 in the next like, oh. you know, 10, 20 years because yeah. there's a lot of DNA analysis going on and they're, they're finding that some of these, um, subsections of like the Congo, these animals are, are rather stationary, kind of in a similar way to uh, alligator snapping turtles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have their like those three regions they don't really cross over mm-hmm. at all. And so over time they've just sort of become their um, own thing. Yeah. yeah. And so they're they're finding there's more uh, deviation with certain species like that. And uh and the Nile crocodiles were recently split up into uh two of them a few years ago and it, it's probably gonna split up even more. Um you know, so it's it's not done, but yes, they they are one of the few facilities with all of those plus albino gators, and so we mm. did everything. Like I got to, I learned how to sex crocodilians. I learned how to draw blood from the back of their head and the tail while they're conscious and alive. Um, uh, you know, obviously roping techniques, capturing, training, right. um, nesting, egg uh, harvesting, incubation while we were there. Um, so you guys know how they hatched out the first, uh, um, Indian gharial outside of its, uh, native habitat outside of India, right? Yeah. Like a year ago or something. Yeah. Well, when I was, yeah. when I was at, um, croc school, we were checking out one of their nursery sections and, um, one of their heads or senior keepers or directors or somebody, um, came and interrupted uh, that part of the class with a, a big bin full of eggs from the Indian Garrows. And they're like, this is the second time we've gotten eggs from these guys. And they sent some of their keepers over to India to like learn and study yeah. and do a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> and they changed the way they set up these mounds and heated them for them to lay eggs. Well, mm-hmm. it worked. And so the baby that hatched came from those eggs that they pulled that day that I got to see. So I saw that sucker as a banded egg when it was uh, when it was first laid, and that was pretty special. Yeah, I remember dude. it very clearly. That's cool. That's so cool, man. That's that's just an awesome experience to have, you know. Uh, that's, yeah, that, that, the folks out there are amazing. That's an impressive team. And awesome. uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of really, really badass uh, men and women, mostly women that are like doing some ballsy stuff. My hat's off to those, those gals out there. Um, 
most of them are moms too so they're just like superstars all around nice, and they're just man. killing it with like big old salties and motos <laughs> venomous and tortoise breeding and dude they're savage they're so <laughs> they're cool. savage people oh, that's awesome, so awesome man. what was your official title at the zoo like what would you what was your what was your job uh I was part. a reptile keeper. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so something I've been wanting to ask you about that. Um, to get into that kind of field of work, did you have to have some type of college education for that, or did you just apply? You know, as Devry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I got a certificate online. <laughs> um, but no, like, uh, um, how how did you get into that that field of work? You know, was it just your background with reptiles, and they were like, hey come on board or did you have Um, there was a little bit of that but there was also more of a formal structure to it um you know and and i would say the process that i went through is probably more along with the norm for an aza accredited facility there are you know thousands of zoos that are uh, like cza or zaa or something like that there's a few other different levels of accreditation that are different standards and bodies of accreditation that are still good zoos it's just um just different right. um the aza is is kind of like a i don't want to put like a snobbish term to it but kind of more like the elite group there's like the higher standards it's, yeah yeah it's a little more strict on a lot of the regulations and and oversight and regulation for a lot of good reasons right but um the norm nowadays is some sort of a four-year degree it's obviously preferable right. if it's uh animal or biology or zoology related but a lot of us had like communications or psych degrees or a few people had sociology degrees a few people had um you know economics degrees but then um had worked you know doing a lot of animal training like domestic animal training and equine stuff um but a lot of us started out volunteering and that's how i got my start while i was finishing up at ucsb and uh and about a year and a half into volunteering, um, you know, I, I was going in twice a week working on birds and the reptile stuff um, pretty much every every free minute I had. And they also knew I had a, you know, a collection of a couple animals at home at the time, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they actually hired me on at, at an apprentice level. And then two years in, promoted me to standard level, and I worked there for another four years before moving up here. Nice man, that's pretty that's cool. That's cool. I've heard that job is is great. If that's you know that's the kind of stuff you're into, but most of them it, it doesn't pay terribly well. Yeah. No, it it never does. Um, the only saving grace you can hope for is to sort of climb a ladder in a state where the cost of living is a little bit lower, and you can get to a decent yeah. um, wage. Most people end up, you know doing it for a few years and then moving on or mm-hmm. um, right. or some people are able to make it work um, not too many of them are union anymore so you don't really get that sort of a um, like a, a security and employment like that too often anymore but there are a lot of people that make it work they have you know they have the the goal in mind and they they dig it out and they stick it out or they just marry somebody rich, and then they, you, you know you can. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Sugar mama or have, sugar have daddy. Somebody... Exactly, dude. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No shame in your game, man. If you, hey, can, man. If you pull I mean, it off, do it. I'm of the opinion that if you're happier, even if you're making less money, then that's like, then do that. Right. You know. Yeah. Like I'd rather. I don't want to punt happiness for security by making more money because you can lose that job just as easily. You know? Right. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's I, really it's really true when you're doing something that you love. Like you don't you don't work a day. You don't think life. about the mm-hmm. clock and right. Oh, how am I going to spend the next hour here? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go home. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, Monday's coming. This is going to suck. Yeah. yeah you you crave it's... overtime. You love staying late. Mm-hmm. Like, work parties are, you know, fun. The people right. you hang out with become your family. Um, yeah, man. That, that's what it's about, man. You know, I'd rather... I'd rather be happy with what I do for 20 years, 30 years till I retire rather than, you know, make a bunch of money and, but yet be miserable the entire time. Mm. You know, that's, that's not what it's about. We have, we have one shot at the life we're given, you know, why, why are you going to be miserable the entire time? Even if you can make a a boatload of money, I'm going to be working (laughs) when I'm 95, but damn it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what I did. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Hey, all I know is that we, we as a society, you know, put too much pressure on ourselves to retire by 65 For i don't sure. know about you but i hope to still have enough energy and vitality at 65 to be able to you know do whatever it is that i want to do and yep. you know if people really want to get into zookeeping and they you know they're in getting into their late 20s and it's like well after college and you're already at the point where you just got to do what you got to do to make bills Mm-hmm. you know, make ends meet and all that stuff, you know, don't like give up on it. There are people that right. work in zoos well into their sixties and seventies. Yeah. I've worked with people that are, are grandparents and they're fully capable keepers. And, you know, maybe that point in your life is, is more suited to something like that. Maybe right. you go make your money for a decade and then, you know, you finally have the ability to come to it and you'll be so much happier in your intent at that point that you'll be a, you know, a, a better keeper and a better employee and too. enjoy and if, it more yeah, if you enjoy it um what was i gonna say completely skipped my mind uh <laughs> you'll make it work like if you enjoy it you're gonna find a way to make it yeah right, to make it happen sure. right for you sure. know whether it's picking up a second job <clears throat> or you know whatever <clears throat> needed yep. like you'll find a way right yeah exactly sure. that's <clears throat> what i did and most of us get second jobs when we work in these things yeah and do you find yourself after being at a zoo that has protocols and everything else? Have you did you carry any of that over to like your personal collection and how you handle things? Well, there's like quarantine and no, I can only imagine oh, yeah. that you did. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I quarantine everything um, separate enclosures that um, aren't used for anything else. Uh, separate tools, more of a sterile sort of setup. Um, I don't, you know, go do quarantine and then go intermingle with my animals that are done last or there's a shower and change of clothes after, you know, working with them if I need to do anything with the rest of my animals. Um, or sometimes I'll just let it be dirty for a day or two just because that's how it has to be procedurally. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty anal about disinfecting everything from my hooks to the floors to the, the ceiling of the rack to wow. the shift tub to I actually um, I made a video about it but when I feed I disinfect my tongs in between every single rodent um, what disinfectant like do you use this is a weird thing that I always like to ask people because I'm always because yeah, I use F10 I, I'm, uh, I I'm a pay huge for fan of uh, chlorhexidine. Yeah. I, I just bought a bottle Did of that. I've been thinking about switching yes. over because it's so it's much amazing. cheaper. You can get a you can get a gallon of it from like I get it. From, I can't remember the name of it, but I I always buy it from this equine place. I just buy a gallon of it. They I'm ship sure it to my door for dirt cheap. Yeah, I bought mine. And I bought it from Amazon. Years. 
I yeah. bought a small <laughs> bottle from uh, Reptile Basics at the Daytona show mm-hmm. this past weekend. And uh, they told I forget what they told me, but the bottle I, they said will mix with like sixteen gallons. Like mm-hmm. that entire yeah. bottle will last me sixteen gallons. I'm like, jeez. And so I use like F10, eight, but it was like eight bucks, you know. And I love F10, like, but F10 is expensive. Uh, crap ain't cheap. Yeah. If you use Chlorhex, I think you're supposed to dilute it like uh, twenty to one mm-hmm. water uh, Chlorhex. So if you get the big gallon like I do, it like I've got a big gallon and I've had it since early last year, I think. Um, it doesn't expire if you keep it out of the sun, you know, it, like eventually it has a shelf life. Right. But, yeah. um, with a collection like mine, um, I'll, I'll make a, I'll make a 16 or 24 ounce spray bottle of it, whatever it is. And that'll last me two weeks. And honestly, that's probably more than enough because it'll actually lose its efficacy once it's been diluted after about a week or so, especially in a clear bottle. Oh, okay. Uh, a, I got you. a darker bottle will allow the concentrate to, it's a little bit longer so if you spray paint a bottle black it'll last longer but then you can't see it yeah um right. so what i do is i only make up uh a solution enough for like a week and a half two weeks so i don't you know end up Not having a really any. weak yeah. solution um nice. and then every so often i'll just get bored of it and, and switch up to bleach for like two weeks and then go back uh because bacteria will develop resistance right. to a lot disinfectant so you know if you have an arsenal of like bleach f10 and chlorhexidine dude you're your money you're pretty like that's more than i do uh, right. i don't have f10 specifically just because of the cost but uh, the zoo, we used all of that nice man that's awesome man it's good to it's good to see you know guys like you that put in the effort to really quarantine animals you know so many people will i mean i'm guilty of it too you know sometimes it's i I slack on my quarantine but it's good to see people like really putting in that kind of effort like you're the only person i've heard that says they shower in between like after coming out of their quarantine room that that's i've I've never heard that before i I remember i was watching one of your videos about how you quarantine you you said you shower change clothes i'm like this dude well goes all people that do that are the ones who have been through the headache yeah of having something Uh, outbreak uh, you only have to have that happen once to never want to have it happen again (laughs) yes yeah for sure and and when you work in a, a zoo and you're around like a whole bunch of zoonotic diseases yeah. just on a daily basis, you learn about stuff. Kind of becomes second nature, um, I'm sure. You're right. Yeah, like gloves, Tyvek suits, um, booties on my feet. Like that was a normal part of my daily routine right. at the zoo. Like we had quarantine buildings. Right. Um, you know, we had very strict procedures. Some animals would quarantine for a year depending on the source and if it was wow. a tortoise or if it came from a you know, a non A or a non AZA participant, like sort of holding breeder facility as part of the SSP or something like that. Someone um, donated their berm cause they couldn't keep it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so quarantine procedures carried over, um, a, a bit of husbandry came, uh, carried over as well, just in terms of, cause we sort of do it, did it a little bit old school there. Like, it's weird, but we didn't run anything on thermostats other than the ambient of the room. Everything else we just sort of tinkered with either offering a hot spot via a bulb or a ceramic heat emitter or what, mm-hmm. depending on the species, where it was in the rack, where it was in the room, the building, whatever, and sort of use our intuition and listen to like how the enclosure behaved based on the changes we made. And we never had a single issue. We basically watched our animals and listened to what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, so like our backup space is all vision cages and we have these big old mega enclosures on display and we just sort of, you learn to use your intuition in a zoo and you read your animals better. Right. And, and that, so I took that over. Right. Well. That's one thing that I've, I've always been a advocate of is, you know, don't necessarily go off what everybody tells you go off what the animals are showing you go off what they're with what signs they're putting off you know if like if they're always tell you everything you need to know right exactly if you pay attention to them you know with guys like us who you know constantly look at their animals you know are they always if they're always on the cool side you know if they're too hot or if they're always on the warm side maybe it's not warm enough you know it's just little things like that or if they're always in the water dish you know maybe it's too dry you know Little things like yeah, that. And, um, it, and, it, and then there's like, you know, <coughs> behavior specific to that animal within right. the species, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So like there's what's considered normal for your animal and what's considered normal for the species. Yeah. You know, when you see care sheets and things online, those are, those are great starting points. You know, they give right. you a nice parameter yeah. to sort of start with and, yeah, then, and then go make your adjustments accordingly. Yeah. I think right. that, you know, I think they can be a good starting point for people who are looking into working with a species that's new to them. Right. Because um, obviously you can do all the the book research you want, and then you get the snake, and it's going to literally throw the book out the window in your face. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's definitely but definitely by watching your animals, you can really learn a lot. One thing yeah. I've noticed, like with um, even with individual carpets, um, one thing I, I've kind of experimented with a little bit is, um, you know, carpets being a semi-arboreal species. You know, some will be more climbers, some will be more terrestrial. At least that's what I've experienced mm-hmm. in you know mm-hmm. in my time. Um, so I give certain animals you know enough time to be able to perch and you know see if they actually utilize said perch and if they do then i'll set up their enclosure mm-hmm. with something that's more arboreal like i'll put them in a cage versus you know a, a rack so you accommodate accordingly right yeah. and if yeah. said animal doesn't use their perches at all then i'm okay leaving them in you know a you know a rack system of some sort you know something that is more terrestrial versus arboreal but if something obviously likes to climb then i give them that opportunity to do so you know it's because carpets i feel like the whole climbing thing is really based on individuals Mm -hmm. yes i've personally i think you know as far as like the subspecies goes jungles are definitely more arboreal than say uh papuans um they're in my opinion the the ijs are more terrestrial than Mm -hmm. most of the other carpets and that's you know they like to sit in their water bowl on the bottom a lot. Right. You know, well, it's the same with chondros too, because right. you'll have some, like you can have your temperatures right where they need to be, you know, 86 mm-hmm. hotspot, whatever. You'll still have snakes that, like my female, she spends a lot of time at the cold end, mm-hmm. you know, periodically through the day, she'll go to the hot end. My male, he's like kind of the opposite. He likes to stay more towards the middle and towards the hot end. Right. And he'll follow her I, around wherever she goes at night. But it's interesting because like, the temperatures aren't off, right. but that's just what yeah. she prefers. Right. Speaking of condors doing weird things, I have a friend who's got a small group of them, and he's been keeping them for years. These these animals he's had for like four or five years, and one animal in particular, like his husbandry is for each animal more or less across the board the same. And he uses good stuff like thermostats, heat mm-hmm. panels, nice cages, everything. He's got it dialed in. All of his animals are healthy. There's just one animal in particular, hundred percent of the time grounded. Really? Oh. Dude, like he, I've gone over to his place multiple times when he was still in California to help him figure that out, and like neither of us could figure it out. Nothing. This, this just get that weirdo, python? man. Every now and again, yeah, dude, it was, a, it was a locality chondro. Like I don't even remember what kind it was, but the thing like 
he changed perches, he changed heat source, he changed the size of the water dish, the location of it, more plants, less plants, bedding, paper, like light, no <laughs> light, everything. top cage, bottom cage, like ventilation, no ventilation, fan on, wow. like all these things. And the animals just like, no, I'm going to go on the floor under the paper right here. Bye. My, I mean, my, my <laughs> smallest, my baby one, he hangs out under the paper towel all the time. Yeah, but he's perched so up a lot. During the though. day, yeah, during the day, he'll he'll be perched up at night. He'll go under the paper towel. Some days he'll be under the paper towel. He he does whatever he wants. And you know, at first, it did kind of freak me out because I was like, "Shit, this means something's wrong." Yeah. yeah. But he eats fine. Like, there's absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with him. It's just that's what he does. And I I think yeah. if I recall, I did read that like neonates is like will ground a little right. more than adults will, and that makes sure. sense because right. they're you know naturally they're closer to the ground. Babies are closer the to the wild. ground. Right. Yeah. So. Well, I think know. I think we put a lot a lot of. Uh, expectation on the name because it has the word tree in it. Yeah, but right. if you've seen Dan Maleri's video when he yep. was over in Indo, they found one on a rock, and it certainly isn't called a green rock python. <laughs> well, so, I was listening to that NPR episode yesterday uh, <clears throat> with him on it, and he was talking. He's like, every conjure we've we've ever found out there was calf to ankle high off the ground. Wow, really? Yeah, he wow. says they, he said sense. none of them were up high. They were all literally, you know face down just right there i mean which would make sense if they're hunting for rodents you know i know they'll eat birds but that's if they're looking for rodents their majority of them are going to be on the ground you know and that's why i'm such a big fan of that that terry phillip and uh justin julander book that they came out with on green trees because it like completely rewrote the rules and there were so many people that were like greg maxwell's book is is right and that's what we need to do but like we need to take that book and apply it to so many other things because like they basically said here's the deal. Like, this is how we're finding them. This is how we're told we're supposed to be keeping them. They do not match up. Right. Like we need to do that with so many other species. And I think we have a lot more success with them. If we actually take a look at the natural history exactly, and read about, you know, how they're being found in the wild, what they're being found that they're eating, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff and kind of reanalyze what we're doing. And that's one thing I've done with uh, my carpets is I try to keep track of the temperatures, uh, like where they're from, especially with my IJs, you know, I look at um, the temperatures that are going on, you know, from where they're actually at and you know one thing we've touched on before is how we keep carpets too hot you know a lot of times or we keep a lot of reptiles too hot and you know from what i'm seeing is yeah you know midday it may get kind of hot but they don't have a 90 degree hot spot all day Mm -hmm. every day you know like that's that's not a necessarily a a, you know proper keeping you know strategy you know at least in my opinion um, so I, I like to look at the natural, you know, range of what, you know, what their temperatures are at night versus day, you know, how hot it well, actually you can, gets. You, you can know. pull that information up online. You can see what an annual temperature cycle is, right. for example, for, um, uh, for Papua New Guinea, yeah. for example, um, it doesn't really deviate from between like 80 to 84. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It, Mo- it's, more it rarely goes over around. 87. Yeah, I give, I give and my, I give my it's wet and dry cycle. Yeah, mm-hmm. I give my carpets or my IJs, you know, a hot spot of about 85, 86, and I call it a day. If it's between oh. 80, if it's between 84 and 88, I'm good. Um, you know, some people may not agree with that, but I've been doing that for quite some time now and I've, yeah, I do the same. I set my thermostats to to have a deviation to allow no more than 88, but it will regularly dip down to like 85, 86 as a hotspot. Yeah. If I'm hitting 85, 86 as a hotspot, I'm good. Even 84, 
you know, with some of the rack systems I run, you know, it doesn't matter where I where I put my probe. I'm getting anywhere from 84 to about 88 hot spots just because of sure. the the way the the um, heat tape runs. I guess, I guess the only uh, deviation <clears throat> I have from that is for my adult females uh, this time of year. I've got the heat a little bit higher up because I'm feeding them bigger meals right. more frequently. But yeah, yeah other than that, that's for sure. Rules. So you've had your your time in the hobby. What do you what are your predictions for where you see it going in the next 5 to 10 years? I I see a lot of people getting back to appreciating some of the more unique species and animals that don't necessarily have morphs or that do but that's not like why they like them. Yeah. Um I think we're forever going to have you know the big staple commercially viable animals like crested geckos, corn snakes, iguanas, ball right. pythons, um, you know uh, whatever variety of animals. And I think we should all be eternally grateful that they've ascended to that status because achieving that mainstream level sort of allows uh, the rest of us on the fringe with these weird species to benefit from. Um, what what they do as far as bringing in money and corporations and, and innovation and products and research and stuff. Um, so I think what that will translate into is easier care for some of these other species that haven't been as feasible given the lack of understanding and technology and, and advancement. So now that we've got rack systems and cages dialed in and people are innovating all of those on a monthly basis and improving it, it's like a race to Know, continuously better all these products. I think right. we're going to have a better time getting these things uh, mm. dialed in. As yeah. long as you know they're not like deforested and burned down before we can really learn <laughs> about these animals. Right. I look right. at it from like an appreciation standpoint that those species are the people that get more people into the hobby to begin with. Right. Like that's like people's jumping off point, and then they you know they grow from there if they end up pursuing sure. it. So. Sure. Sure. Uh, do have. And their, yeah. They so have, I, they have a lot of merit I there. Think, uh, I think I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think because our mainstream base is growing, and and it's becoming more common. Mm -hmm. Like um, when I first started my job out here in Sacramento, one of the first things that some of the guys told me when they found out what I did at my previous job was like, "Oh yeah, the uh, president and his daughter have a collection of ball pythons at home." I'm like, "You got to be shitting me." <laughs> <laughs> And it was great because now I have like a really good connection. Yeah, you got an in. I've, you got an in. Yeah. Yeah. And she and her mom and her uncle have actually come out to all the Herp Society meetings that I've like either presented at or the barbecue yeah, stuff. That's so cool. It's been really neat because she's like geeked on corn snakes and boas and, and ball pythons and all these things. She just like genuinely likes all this stuff. And so it's been cool to see that community. Um, growth as a result of that stuff yeah, so I, I think what we're going to see is the mainstream continue to grow and succeed we're going to see companies being forced to innovate and give us what we want which is products to um, improve our keeping and do things better right and then people are going to apply it to more and more species and the fringe stuff is going to get more attention Right, and that that's one thing that I've noticed uh, just even in the past, say, year or so, the stuff that I had never really seen much of hardly at all is becoming more and more Scrubs are the in. perfect example. Scrubs, you know, and cool. also, like, say, t take a look at uh, rough-scaled pythons, for instance. Yeah. You know, the first time I saw one was maybe two years ago, and I had never heard of it, never really seen them uh, other than this YouTube video that I saw. And then all of a sudden now, 
so many more of my people I have on Facebook are are getting them and producing them and they're just becoming more common but yeah you're right scrubs are a very good example of that um, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier you get like that you get that one guy that gets them and then their buddy gets them and then their buddy gets them and it just it you know it just spreads out from there and I think like because I mean you have I've mentioned in other episodes like you have these pockets of people like you have the Morelia guys you have the Corrales guys and those are usually kind of together you have all the yeah. ball python ball people python all the corn guys, snake the people the crested people all the boa people yeah. and so like those small like clicks even though i guess they're really not that small like because you come to find especially with the chondro community like everybody knows each other right like, everyone's exactly. got mutual friends like you can tell someone's in the chondro oh, circle because yeah, sure. everyone has like 30 mutual friends right <clears throat> and so it's yeah. kind of neat that that like that's kind of what's going to be the thing that carries a species out and gets them popular. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm glad that we're seeing more appreciation for scrubs and that like sure. Boiga are getting bigger and slowly, but stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, it's good. To yeah. See. I mean, we, we talk about things, um, in the past from like 30 years ago when they were first getting things in and first learning about stuff and there wasn't the internet. And it's, right. you know, when we talk about things in those co- contexts and, and put dates and things like that it seems like oh 30 40 years ago it's like yeah man it's it's been around for a long time it's like no dude this is in its infancy this is just starting yeah, right. like you don't even understand this is really the like tip 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 of the iceberg like we haven't even begun to like blow up yet this is like people are like oh my god reptile shows are everywhere and everybody's breeding there's all this youtube it's like yeah but Trust me, you'll still find people that have no idea what the hell we're talking about, which means it isn't that big, which means oh, it's yeah. still got a long ways to go. Oh, yeah. We have no excuse now because we have the internet. Right. Like before, yeah. they had to really put in the footwork and really figure this stuff out. Like right. at least now you have like the hive mind of the internet that can mm. at least point you in the right direction with how you're supposed to be doing something. Right. Exactly. The challenge you have with no that excuse. Is, is now we have this we have this tool and this power and uh, we're excited about it. And um you know, the old adage that's kind of cheesy is with mm-hmm. great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's actually really true because, you know, nowadays it's really easy for us to spread our words about these animals and our experiences or um, feelings and things about them. And mm-hmm. we don't always necessarily describe them well. <laughs> and so we yeah. sort of, even with the best of intentions, because of a word choice, end up spreading misinformation and because of how global the internet is. Um, right. It, you know, it, we also have to be very careful about what we say and what we do and what we share because um, the effect uh, nowadays is, you know, 10, 20 times worse than it was if you just did it 50 years ago to, like, the 15 people that showed up you know, at like your local pool hall and saw that the dude with the snake outside was there, you know? Right. Um, it's very easy it's to spread good information. It's also very easy to spread bad information. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's... So it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a balance that yeah, we... we'll figure out as we move along. Yeah. We definitely need to, you know, we all need to be careful about, you know, the things we say, you know, on Facebook, uh, need to be able to back up what, what we have you know what i mean like you can't just talk out of your butt and just say what you think you know without actually having you know facts obviously if you know there's if there's a topic that you know people are just kind of putting their 
their two cents on there's no like hard evidence towards it you know it's not like maybe something hasn't been proven yet and yeah that's one thing but yeah. you know just saying well, stuff that is I mean, obviously it's human nature to want to like ship in and contribute right right right, right exactly so it's tough like right. i i we've all been there i find myself today like writing something out and then i'm like eh, i wasn't involved in this conversation yeah, that's what and, i do yeah. pretty much on a daily basis <laughs> like, I, I really haven't kept that species for that long so i really don't have you know anything to stand on and and to be completely honest this is just my opinion so actually right. i'm gonna let them figure it out you know like i'm, I'm potentially just gonna upset somebody and I'd, I'd rather just sit and watch and see if somebody else throws something out that i didn't think of right you know for my- me like the toughest lesson was like if you don't have experience with something just like shut up and yeah. don't say yeah. shit there about needs it. To be more of that. You know, like I, I got my plenty of you know my own verbal lashings for like opening my mouth and some shit that I you know quite frankly didn't have experience in and was just going off of what I had heard and spoken with those who were experienced in and just like I felt a part of it because I was included in the conversation and the knowledge from other folks and I felt like. I've got the answer. I got the answer. Here it is. Mm-hmm. And you're like, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Like, yeah, you're right. I yeah. have not done that before. Yeah, no, for sure. That's that's one thing I try to stick to. You know, the very few things I've actually put my two cents on, you know, are things that I I actually like have experimented with and have hands on, you know, experience I even, with. I, I you rarely know, if, even do that. Yeah, I I rarely do it. I'm almost uncomfortable ten, doing it. But you know, if there's somebody who seems, you know, they they need honest, you know, somebody's honest thoughts, you know, and I have personal, <coughs> excuse me, personal experience with that, then yeah, I might. But if <coughs> Jesus, you're gosh. gonna make it? No, I'm gonna. Do it. Oh, oh, there went my, my phone. Okay. Uh, um. <laughs> But uh, if I have no personal experience with it, then I'm not even going to. And there's going to be gonna 10 people that, that are going to come out and give them the answer to what they're asking anyway. So right, that's my exactly. thing. Is like, yeah, I don't sure. need to answer. If there's there's going to be five people that are going to answer yeah. it any, like, already. If, so if there's why? a million they people that are already I don't, saying I know it that for don't. the 12th time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's tough because ultimately – we're excited about what we're talking about, what we're working with. And that's the bottom line. So, um, it's just, yeah, it's just a different time. We'll figure it out. I think the big issue is, is like, we do need to kind of police ourselves, but the hardest part about that is you can't tell someone they're wrong without them getting upset. Yeah. And there's a very fine line you have to walk to where you're like constructively trying to help them and just being an asshole. Yeah. Um, and like we're in an era where it's like fact and theory there's a blurred line there mm-hmm. um you know people tell say things that are really their opinion but they state it as if it's a fact and so then people think that it's a fact and right right it just like i would there's so many times i want to pipe up on a on a comment or something in a group and say something but i'm like uh, like all the same thing like riley said like i'll start typing it out and i'll be like why am i wasting my time yeah like yeah i'm not i'm not gonna bother and you know the my my biggest issue with people just blurting out stuff that you know is simply their opinion even if it's if 12 other people read it and say yeah they're dead wrong you know there could be that one person that's new to the hobby and reads that and just like oh okay because they don't know any better and then that's what they go on to believe and then they continue to spread that misinformation to somebody else you know and it's 
it's you know what are like the, it's the ripple effect you know like they tell yeah. other people and then that continues and then all of a sudden next thing you know we have a bunch a bunch of people that believe something that isn't true at all mm-hmm. um you yeah. know but one of the things that i've been doing with uh with youtube is forcing myself to just put out content that's genuine to my own experiences and that right. sort of forces me to just put out stuff that i can either show you like right in front of you mm-hmm. uh, in my hands or um can sort of talk about with visual examples i'm not going to sit there and talk about snakes that i don't have or right. places that i've never been or things that i've never done because that would just be me sitting in front of a camera running my mouth right. whereas like you know by putting a visual thing to it i'm forced to like you know like uh, either put up or shut up like if i'm going to talk about how so um, I'm going to put out a video tomorrow instead of Sunday because I'm going to the San Jose Reptile Show. Normally I drop, drop a video on Sunday instead of mm-hmm. any other day, but um, I never trust hotel Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Not with YouTube. So, no, hell no. Yeah. Uh, something always goes mm-hmm. wrong. Um, Got to keep followers happy. Consistency is key. But um, I'm going to put it out tomorrow <laughs> and uh, – I'm talking about palpating uh, baby rainbow boas in part of it. And I, I try to show you, I, I'm sure it's probably not the best video out there on it, but the point of it is, is like every week I, I hold myself to this, like you got to put something out. And every week I'm like, what am I going to do? And I look around the, the room or look at my notes and it's always either something that's right in front of me that I can show you or mm-hmm. something that I've like taken notes on mm-hmm. that I can sort of talk about and reference from personal experience. And that just keeps it, very genuine and authentic and and like no bs like there's no veil there's no you know edited out stuff there's right. no um blooper reel because quite frankly um i'm already embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> yeah the whole video's but, a blooper um, yeah <laughs> exactly i'm right. a blooper yeah, my life is a giant blooper. It's, that's that's yeah. all it is. And maybe that it's that like was the name my parents were gonna go with, and then they thought <laughs> when they saw it on paper. It this doesn't look right. Uh, yeah. Blooper, blooper Jimison. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Because <laughs> then you'd be sitting here talking to blooper reptiles, yeah. and that would just sound dumb. No, oh, no, Riley's reptile sounds way better than bloopers. Blooper, blooper exotics. <laughs> Low country bloopers. <laughs> Oh, man. I think with the internet though, it's like a like a spotlight effect, and the moment people are called out and they're told they're wrong, they feel dumb, and so people yeah. that's when people get defensive and they right. you know they want to start arguing with people and I just I am of the opinion, which is actually that's something I usually that's my little disclaimer in most things that I do comment on mm-hmm. in groups is like. I'm of the opinion that, and that just kind of automatically sort of disarms people into thinking that I'm stating it as a fact. Right. Like I'm letting them know that this is just, this is just this an is opinion. My opinion. That's all it is. And that's, I feel like that's how we keep this podcast is like, you know, the things we talk about are from our personal experiences, yeah. you know, that's everything, just, everything we always talk about is just literally an opinion. The you know? hobby and, needs more humility. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of in general, like you don't have to know everything. No, you don't have to yeah. comment on every post in a group and try and chip in. Like if you don't know, you don't know. Like yeah. it's okay. No one's gonna like actively look and say, "Oh, this person isn't commenting." Like I'm gonna come right. behind you and tell you you're an idiot because you yeah. didn't pipe up. Personally, like yeah. if like don't if, be afraid to ask questions. Don't if, be afraid to contribute to the conversation. Right. But, you know, have it be somewhat constructive. Right. Personally, you know, if I'm doing something wrong, then. I want to know. Yeah, I don't talk about it. Don't bring it up. Flashbacks. Don't bring it up. Don't bring it up, man. All right. Papayans. 
Yeah. I said, don't talk about it. But uh, if, if I'm doing something <laughs> wrong, saying something wrong, you know, especially when it comes to my animals, if, if my care tactics are not up to par, then I want to know about it, you know, cause sure. if this is, and if you're a friend is, of the person doing it wrong, you tell them, them say something, you tell them, you tell them so they don't go on seven <laughs> podcasts and look like a complete idiot. Um, that's neither here nor there. We're not going to talk about that because you guys promised we wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I don't remember such a promise. Riley promised. Oh, my um, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had I've had friends, you know, direct message me like, "Hey, man, you know, just FYI and whatever it was." And and it's a it's all it also comes down to like how you um, you know give somebody like the tip. Like if you blast somebody in public, right. Um, it, it better be worth it or they better really deserve it or it better be to a point where like that's your only option. Yeah, it better be just And if you don't, and if you don't, you kind of look like a fool and I've been there more times than I care to admit. Right. Um, so for everybody who I've been that person to, this is like my fifth or sixth apology probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. like you, you, you sort of learn. You get hazed a little bit and you figure it out. Like you learn right. like, okay, I shouldn't have opened my mouth there and so that you sort of figure out this like gauge of like, okay, this is how much experience I feel like I should have before I talk on this subject. Right. Or, and then this is how I should approach people. And this is maybe this person's normal and, and maybe, you know, and then you also have to remind yourself like, okay, am I reading this the way they intended it? Yeah. I don't know. And I'm, at, I'm at a point now too, where I like, I have zero desire to argue with people on the internet. I want to keep things civil. And a prime example yeah. of that is the post we made on the page the other day that, that, actually you post well you shared initially was the one about people who take their reptiles out in public and right quote unquote sort of force them upon people in a way and like yeah. i you know i completely shared that and said i agree and like p there was a Dude, handful of people that absolutely lost they it went and I, like, off man i could have just was, as easily that... freaked out and blocked all of them but i didn't i just you know they were like this is crap and i'm like you're well, fully entitled got, to your opinion yeah, like that's that, okay that, if i you noticed feel that you way. said like, all that and i was like yeah I'm, kudos to you i keep you know? it i'm not like i'm not gonna argue with you like, no. if that's the way you feel that's the way you feel this post that i repost is the way i feel yeah it's an opinion that's okay that we they don't agree like you don't have to like yeah, if you want to yeah, stress your reptiles out in public, that's that's. I mean, that's you. That's on you. But I'm I'm not. You know, this is what I think. And if you think otherwise, and because okay, I completely okay, agree so with the it. post. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we need to be thinking better about that. People's people's default needs to not be that it's a personal oh, attack. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Like you're not the victim. We're having a discussion here. Um, right. Don't get so uh, defensive and start crying on Facebook so quick. You know, it's like that's we're, yeah, we're, we're supposed to talk. To we're supposed to talk about this. You I was know? trying to yeah. have a conversation with these people about it, and, and you're just getting butthurt over it. Yeah. Like, like talk, it. tell me, tell it. me your side. Tell me why you think it's yeah. okay. Tell me the benefits, and I'll tell you mine. Let's talk about this, if and if at, we can, if we and we can agree to disagree. The two sides of the argument. And you look at the approach that both sides have. So your two sides are one side is like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to take my reptiles out. I don't care if it freaks people out. I'm free to do so. And then the other side is a more delicate approach. Like, I don't want to freak people out. I don't want to cause any bad press. I'm going to, you know, not do that. Right. Um, the side that is the more cautious, not going to do that. They're like, this is my belief. This is why I don't do that. This is why I think it is wrong. Statement, statement, statement here's why and in closing x y and z and then you have the other side of that argument which if this were like you know an old uh james carville debate he'd come at it with 
counterfact, counterfact, uh-huh. counterfact, counterfact right. statement and closing wrapping it all up. And what you had from the other side was, well, fuck you. I don't care what you think. Yeah. You're big, insensitive, neener, neener, ha-ha. I'm cooler than you, and I don't care. This is America. And it was just absolute yeah, ignorance. We know there was something similar said, and I was like, that's your opinion. See, that, yeah, that's that, what see, you want to that, do, that's that was, what you want to do. More power was, to you. But That was I'm, my thing with the whole, <clears throat> the whole situation. It was like their only argument was, I don't care. You know, yeah. people can get over themselves. Like that's not. Which, that's, in my opinion, only proved the point of that post. Yeah, exactly. That. It's like you're not. You you are not arguing your point at all. You're not you're proving just, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like okay, so give me, show me how this benefits the animal in some way. Show me how it can benefit the public by terrifying them. Yeah, sure, you might get yeah. the occasional person, but. That's not... Well, part of it was like the headline thing. Like, I don't think people actually slowed down and actually read that post. Because if you read that post, it wasn't saying anything about don't take your reptile outside. Yeah, absolutely And the first handful of posts on that, it was people saying, oh, if I want to take my reptile outside, I'm going to take it outside. And I'm like, if you want to take it outside, that's fine. you can go ahead and do that I'm talking to the people that go to music festivals and go to the beach and the park when there's a ton of people on a weekend and walk around with their, you know, blood python or, you know, eight-foot boa, whatever. Or they're talking like, about rattlesnake in church. Yeah, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Like, that, you know, if that's what you want to do, feel free. But Yeah, you yeah, might get bit in I'm the gonna face. I'm going to tell you and, that I'm of yeah. the opinion that you're making us look pretty bad. Yeah. Like, the general society, the general public already thinks we have mental issues because we keep these animals they don't like. Yeah, you TV walking around the beach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you people, walk, you walking around the beach and stuff with it. Or you're down not, the street with your shirt off and your eight foot boa, like yeah, to look like, cool. You're, you're not helping our cause here, man. Like it's, we have to. What I what I said was we need to pick and choose our battles when it comes to that. Like I'm all for education because yeah. that's what the other thing people said. They're like, oh well, what about education? I'm like, I'm all for it. Yeah, that but that that was showing your snake in off the at post. the park isn't the way to do it. Yeah, in the post it said we need to be invited. <laughs> it never said never ever mm-hmm. ever take your animals out in public, but it said you need to be invited. So that means. Say reach out to, if you really want to educate that badly, reach out to a school or something. You know, so many schools. Join a reptile society. Yeah, but like so many schools are so willing to do some type of educational thing. You know, if you you go to a school. Exactly. You go up to a school and you say, hey, I'll do this for free. Because if you really want to educate that badly, you're going to do it for free. Well, that and if you're going to educate, like I told you, go for the kids. Don't go for the adults. The adults already have their opinion formed. It's in stone. Like they're not going to budge on that usually. You get kids. They're the ones that are open-minded and more willing to learn. And so if you you reach out to a school there, a lot of times, you know, if you guys can work something out, they'd be more than happy to have you. I've had people reach out to me before. I've talked to people at schools and they said, yeah. I did a presentation at a nursing home once. There you go. That's, (laughs) you know, that's, it's, it's, you have to be invited. That's specifically what it says. Be invited into the environment that you're. That's actually kind of a funny story. Yeah. That's probably another podcast, but. I'll keep it quick. Okay, right. tell, so tell, I had a friend, a guy I used to play music with. His girlfriend used to work at a nursing home as like an events coordinator or something. Mm-hmm. And so one day she was like, "Hey, if you know, if we can, if you want to, can you bring out some snakes to the nursing home, and you know, set up a table and stuff and talk to people?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And so I assumed that I would just be in the lobby with a table and some snakes, and people could come and go, and they'd pass by and ask questions or whatever. So I get there and I got a little poster board made at Walgreens with pictures of snakes and just some random little facts and stuff like that. And I get there and uh, I walk in and they're like, Oh, they're in the back room waiting for you. 
And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> she's like, oh, they're all back there. Wait, you're going to have to do your presentation thing. It's in the back there. And I do not do public speaking, like, at oh, all. Oh, man. And so I get there, and I'm like, oh. Oh, God. I was like, I thought I was just setting up a table, and people could just kind of come and go. And it's like, there's, I swear to God, there was, like, 30 or 40 people in that room just hanging out. Jeez, like, what? Man. Dude, I completely winged it. I had nothing prepared. I killed it, though. I freaking I, go, I winged man. it, and it was awesome. Like They were all asking questions. A few of them were like holding them, and I think my rainbow bow at the time was one of them. Nice. Um, that's pretty it cool. It was cool. I, yeah. you know, it, and they were all super intrigued. Like That's the thing. is like Snakes, there are a few things more attention-grabbing than snakes. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Even if you're scared of them, there is that many. slight curiosity that makes people kind yeah, of want to like, stop whoa. and look at it and watch it. Like scared but they still want to but see, see like that learn about it that goes like, that also goes back to the whole people doing this for attention taking their animals out in public because we right. know that we as yeah, keepers know that if we take this out in public we're going to get some looks mm-hmm. we're going to get people to talk to us you know that's if you say you don't just walk around the park with your snake around your neck for attention you're you're full of it like i, that's, I agree that's, and that's what i said in that post i said if, yeah. if anybody's doing this for anything but attention you're a liar. Yeah. If you want, if you want to benefit the animal, you know, for natural sunlight, whatever, take it your in your backyard. Your backyard is one place. Yes. If you want to educate, reach out to a school or a nursing home, you know, anything that yeah. it's not that hard, you know, don't go walk around and hurt our, hurt our situation anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and if you really want to help, get involved in some type of herp society around you. Get involved with, you know, things that really matter. Because in the big picture, walking around your park, even if you do change a couple people's minds, that's not going to help in the big picture of our hobby and keeping as a whole. You know, we have to, you know, fight for our rights to be able and to own You know, I wish it were... Like, I wish people didn't care if you could yeah. do that. Because, I mean, if people could, fine. But, like, you know what's going to freak people out. And a majority of people, not like you know maybe five out of 20 are going to be freaked out like it's going to be a pretty good majority of that group oh yeah well there's a whole nother thing too even the people that like came up to you and asked questions doesn't mean they had a good time yeah 100 yeah, they're that probably mom, just checking to see if you were a serial killer at yeah, yeah like this dude about to bomb us all <laughs> yeah that mom who just went over with her kids just to be there because their kids were like oh my god a snake yeah and all of a sudden she's forced to like supervise the situation yeah guess what she's gonna do afterwards go on facebook or whatever sort of community next door app she's gonna be like there's a freaking living crazy lady out here with these yeah. snakes and i think he just moved in i don't know if he lives here but he no, what? I think we lost you. You gone? Riley? You there? Hello? He's back. Hello? Okay, we're Hello? good. <laughs> All right, so anyways. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, it can go south. Absolutely. And I don't think people know. look that far into it. Like, they don't think about no. those kind of situations. Which no, are, they like, don't. That's, that's actually some, what Riley just explained. It's something that would very, yeah, very possibly happen. Like, you it's know, very it, likely that someone it, would do and that. And something else that could happen is if, you know, say in, in this situation, mom walks up with her kids, her kid sees a snake. They leave. Mom turns to the kids. You are never having one of those. Yeah. You know, just because of the or situation worse, that she was just put in. She was stressed. Bit, yeah. Sued. Yeah. She was stressed out the entire time yeah. with her kids being around this huge eight foot bow constrictor. And, you know, all that's going mm-hmm. through her is my, her mind is what if the thing chokes out my kid? Yeah. And what if this, this thing bites it? She's scared. She's stressed out the entire time. They leave. Kids never get to. We get live a in a very a litigious society now. Yeah. I would not be comfortable with, with that. No. Just because, like I said, kid gets bit. Parents aren't going to care if it's harmless no. or not. You know, if it's something no. sizable, 
Absolutely. You're probably going to be going to court. Yeah. Because they know they're going to win. Like, oh, yeah. What are you gonna, how are you going to defend that? Yeah. I had my snake like in public was, and yeah, bit this kid. Yeah, I had eight-foot bow in the park. Well, why'd you do that? Because uh, I wanted to for education. Yeah. I was, well, <laughs> I just wanted to let it get some sign. And then their argument's going to be, well, how come you didn't just leave it in your front yard? Yeah. You have like there's just you can you can justify it you, all you, you want. You don't win that. Like it, it's not a. It's. I don't know. But if that's what you want to do, hey, more power to you. I don't agree with it, but you can go if that's what makes you happy, feel free. Go ahead, but know that you're making us look bad. Yeah, go ahead and make us look even worse than some of us we're actually do. We're actually at like an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. I think we. I think uh, on that note, I think we've covered just about everything we wanted to. Yeah. Riley, do you have that any closing all... remarks? Oh man, that was. What, what? If you guys have a quick look at at your the stuff you wanted to talk about, was there anything that we we didn't? I don't think cover so. Or... I think we pretty much hit it all, man. We went through it kind of. I felt like we went through it kind of quick, but you we know, did. Again, but that's okay though. I feel like you yeah. know you can you can over talk maybe. For sure, for sure, definitely hit some. Um, we have infinite some, episodes. Yeah, definitely. Hit yeah, some solid I, points. I guess uh, we can do a part two: Revenge of the Jemison. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do that. It's a good one. Riley's I Revenge. Like that. <laughs> Dude, that was good. I love it. Have you been Have you been waiting to drop that one? <laughs> no, he's no, been that he's just been came off my top he's of my been head. sitting on that one all day, yeah, dude. You, you need to have your own separate podcast just with your wittiness on that yeah, one. That was good. My spoken word, if, my poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Good. People did, people are into that. It's RC, you know. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't um, listen to it, but you know, <laughs> I wouldn't subscribe. That's for, sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, um, for sure. I don't know. Follow you on Facebook so. and Instagram. Yeah, how can YouTube how can we how can we find you on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook? What's your what's your tag? Yeah, um, uh, Facebook and Instagram is just Riley's Reptiles or just Riley Jimison. Um, and then YouTube YouTube is just Riley Jimison. Um, I think that's it. I do have a Twitter, but it's basically just a place to plug more of the video and, and photo stuff randomly. So Twitter's such a hard uh, platform to get to work with this hobby. Yeah, it's just it not visual enough. It's right. not visual enough. Yeah. By the way, I mean, you can share photos and things, but yeah, it's, it's not like it's not Instagram's on. the the one. Right. For Instagram's herbs, really good. Businesses. Yeah. But I'm a, I'm I have 100% it hundred percent about the Instagrams. I, yeah. Yeah, I figure it's just one more thing that like, hey, if I for don't sure. put any extra effort in, like whatever, go for it. But um. Yeah, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and then uh, yeah, yeah. I guess that's it. I guess that's Good it, deal, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you coming on. As yeah, thanks, man. First guest. First guest. A big. Uh, yeah, deal. thanks, guys. Yeah, this was a I, uh, this is a big step I for hope, us. Uh, I hope you guys are gonna have you know tons and tons more episodes. I, I remember when uh, when I I discovered that you, there was another you know, a couple hurt podcasts out there. Cause I was like, God, there's gotta be more than just NPR and Corrales radio out there. Yeah, so yeah. I started looking around. Oh, great. Two more assholes and, with microphones. And, <laughs> no, that's, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> that's what he wanted, man. So finally, two more assholes with microphones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank I God. Mean, haven't you seen, haven't you seen South Park? The, the Dr. Mephesta, the monkey with five asses. He's always <laughs> after the, mo- the most assholes on, on one thing. So, you know, multiple assholes on a platform. is great. Let's talk about there it. There you go. Yeah. Let's get together in a pack mentality. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, yeah, I think it's great. I, I love all the, the, the different outlets. And more reptile talk is good. It yeah, can't be bad. Sure. It can only be good. So and it's, you know, I, a lot of, like I said in kind of the video I did, like a lot of people think it's difficult. Like, it's really not that hard. I mean, I, it's, yeah, been, was really, it's been was really, really cool easy for me, man. I tell you, this yeah. has been one of the easiest things I've ever had to do. Weird. You know, I just throw yeah. a little cash here and there and sit here and Shows talk. Up, you know, pops up in a beer, yeah, smokes you know, a cigarette yeah. before he hops on. <laughs> He's like, cool, man. Let's do this, man. I'm ready. I won't. Uh, I won't give it away too much. But um, Terrell Ziegler and I have been talking about and sort of brainstorming a concept for like a year now. Um, that just is always kind of getting pushed to second place, and it's it revolves around podcast stuff. So there we've been go. working on something for a while, but well, we I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna do a new video on the much. setup now that I got this. Uh, this fancy. I'm gonna go yeah, ahead man, and plug it right it now. This uh, the pod podcast hotline kit. It's this yeah, one man. cord that you plug into your phone, you plug into a headphone amp, you plug into your mixer, and that's what makes having you on possible. And I'm going to be sure yeah. to plug it because it was like think, 20 bucks and it's like freaking incredible. Oh, yeah, dude. People would eat that up. There's a whole market for it makes um, it so much videos easier. on how to do stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. It's really – everyone thinks that you have to know, you know – audacity or garage band and all these programs and it's really not complicated at all right. it's just a matter right. of dialing everything in where you like it and hitting, hitting record so yeah no definitely cool <laughs> it, you guys are you guys are well on your way to having a really nice uh, a nice you know listener base everybody i think there's a huge group of people that have been craving more because you know npr is so good and then, yeah um there was like uh, there, you know, GTP Keeper radios in there here and there. Corralis radio. There's a few other. There's, you know, some ball need to get ones, more people off but... Blog Talk. Blog Talk as a platform drives me crazy. Just yeah, I hear, I hear a lot of but... challenges and hiccups with Blog Talk. So, I mean, we, I think we don't do this live, where it needs but to be. yeah, we don't do this live, and like the microphones I use are hella cheap, and they yeah. sound great. So. Yeah, they sound really crisp, man. That's one thing that I feel like you yeah. know we have going for us is the sound quality. You know, yeah. Uh, I think I, if anyone's gonna complain, it's about my audio, not yours. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about as good as we can get over a phone. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you want to fly down here for you know uh, Riley's, if you, if, if, if you want to fly down oh, for yeah. Riley's revenge, man, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get that in the in the works, man. We'll buy a microphone just for just for you, man, just for you. Shoot, I do I'll need go, to pick up a third one. I'll go build a build a, a lightsaber now. There you go. <laughs> nice. Is it going to be purple? Like Mace Wind is? It's, it's going to be tie-dyed, bro. Tie-dyed. Oh, tie-dyed. That's Nobody thought like of that. Make one out of a lava lamp. Dude, be it's going to be California edition. <laughs> be dope. So, it'd be like, so it's going to be like red, green, and yellow, right? It's going to be the tie-dye colors. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's definitely the... <laughs> All uh, right, man. Well, we appreciate right, you coming yeah. on. As always. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, as always, this is uh, Jacob Brotz, JLB Morelli. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. You know. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Palmetto Coast Exotics. And on YouTube where I have minimal videos because I'm lazy. Yeah, my, my, name, <laughs> my name's Justin Smith. And uh, I'm with Palmetto Coast Exotics. And uh, see you later, guys. <sighs> Impressions need work, brats. Do they though? They do. I don't think so. All right, man. We're out of here. All right. Peace. Adios.